Well, hi, everybody, uh, and welcome to the 360 Experience. I am your host, Tim Brahim, and I am very excited to bring into the show uh, today Tyler Osby, who works for Fairway Independent Mortgage in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, Tyler is a friend and a client of mine who's a part of the Leadership 360 program. This is a conversation with a man who really understands the value of systems and of marketing. Uh, and, and I would tell you that if you're a listener that is not in the mortgage business, don't worry. There's plenty of value for you to glean from this conversation with Tyler. Um, he's a great guy, very articulate, um, very organized, only 38 years old, and has figured out ways to generate consistent business, even in today's market that's challenging. And I think that you'll really understand why after watching our conversation. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Tyler Osby and welcome to the 360. What's up, dude? What's going on? The man with the golden voice. You know, that's one of the things <laughs> I've never, I've never commented on before. You have you could be like, uh, I don't know, maybe you could even do some, can I say this at the beginning of the show, catch people's attention? Like maybe you could be like a male sex voice yeah. thing that women subscribe to. I mean, it's a good backup. I'm, yeah. I'm into this case rates keep going up. I mean, you got to have backup contingency planning, bro. Always big on multiple sources of income. So <laughs> exactly. <why not>? <laughs> exactly. So uh, this is going to be fun. Um, I'm grateful for you being on the show with me. I have gotten to know you a little bit over the last couple of years. We had a great road trip where we drove from Southern California up to Northern California along Pacific Coast Highway and hung that out. Was so fun. Yeah, it was it was rad. I hope that you still plan to go back with your wife and Oh, and, for uh, sure. Yeah. Cool. cool. Yeah. yeah, no. Um it's going to be great. It's going to be great to have you on and uh and and let's just rock and roll. Let's just start, you know, with who is Tyler Osby? Like that's <laughs> the question that I I think everyone's begging to to know. Uh yeah. tell us a little bit about yourself. How old are you? How long yeah. you've been in the business for? You know, what got you into the business? Give us a little background. Yeah, so I constantly forget my age, but uh, I just did the math as you asked it. 38 is how old I am. I've been doing this for 18 years now. Um, yeah, I got started young, and I, I don't I don't know if I've ever met somebody in the mortgage business that like meant to end up in the mortgage business. Um, but you know, I'm grateful that I found it because it's been a, a really really fun career to be a part of. I uh, I'm based out of Des Moines, Iowa. Um, I've lived here my whole life. It's an awesome place. I live in the city, which a lot of people, when they think of Iowa, they think of cornfields, you know? Yeah. Um, and you know, yeah, we, we finance some stuff out in the cornfields, but I, I don't spend really any time myself out on a farm or anything. Um, not, not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I love this business. I've, I've kind of described myself before as a marketer who's kind of like happens to be in the mortgage business. Um, and I, I'm grateful that I figured out that, you know, marketing was such a big piece of making this whole thing work pretty early in my career. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I'm not, when I'm not slanging loans and leading our team, I'm, you know, I got three little girls, I'm a girl dad, um, three-year-old, six-year-old and eight-year-old as we record this. Um, my wife runs an online business and uh, she's a marketer as well. She used to be a real estate agent, so she kind of understands the industry. Um, and, you know, I've I've been a big fan of like figuring out how stuff works and then trying to teach it to other people, whether that be through um, speaking or coaching or whatever. Um, and there have been a couple of things that I've been really fortunate to kind of crack how stuff works. And, um, 
been able to package that up in a way that it helps people. So I don't know, hopefully that's enough, but I, I love live music. That's like the one thing that you'll find me doing. If I, if I ever get a chance to go to a good concert, I'm always, I'm always going to be at a good concert. Even if I'm alone, got a lot of good experiences of being at concerts alone. <laughs> Here's the obligatory softball that I'm, I'm required to throw at you right out of the gate, man. Who's your favorite music performer? Living or dead? No, of all time. Yeah. I, so you know where this is going. Yes, I Prince. do. <laughs> yes. I'm a huge Prince fan. I, uh, I've i seen him live several times. Um, oddly enough, one of the times I went to see him, you know, I, I'm pretty sure it was business plan that was in Vegas a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had that 3121 club in the Palms. And I bought a ticket to go there the last day of the event. Um and it's an amazing show. So oh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. He's super talented. I saw him twice during the Purple Rain tour at the uh, Great Western Forum in Los Angeles. I mean, I, there's a reason Great I venue. went. Yeah, there's a reason that I went twice in a week, man. He was spectacular. Yeah. So let's go back to your wife for a second. So she's a yeah. marketer. You're a marketer. Do you guys like play off each other at all? You talk oh, marketing totally. together? Yeah. Ah, yeah. nice, nice. Well, we're gonna we're gonna dive into marketing. We're gonna dive into a lot of things in this conversation. Uh, marketing is definitely an area that I want to spend some time and and pick your brain on. Um, but before we do, um, you work for Fairway, right? Yep. Yep. I've been at Fairway for uh, 13 years now, which is kind of wild. I started when we were a company with like 800 people. Um, and now they're a company of like 10,000 people. So yeah. it's been pretty, pretty wild ride. And, and we're, we're recording here in the fall and October of 2022. Obviously this has been a, it's been a year. I mean, it's been a really interesting year. I mean, we got rates up at around 7% right now, you know, gone up what five or four and a half percent, four percent, something like that in the last 12 months. Um, you know, you've been in the business for 13 years. So you, you've seen 18, 18, 18. excuse me, fairway for 13. You've been in the business yeah, for 18. Yeah. So you've seen this kind of stuff before. Well, I want to talk a little bit about that too, yeah. in terms of how familiar is this, et cetera. But tell us a little bit about your production numbers. Let's have some perspective. What, what did you do in yeah. 2021 and what are you tracking on for 2022? So, um, and, and you would ask that question. So last year, I think we were at like, I, first off, I, I'll just say it. I'm not a huge like numbers guy. Like we do good numbers, but that's never been my focus. It's always been on quality of outcome for clients and five-star reviews is kind of my measuring stick. Um, but I want to say we did 400 and I think it was right at 500 units. Um, and this year we're down. Um, I think we're at like 240 for the year, which still is, you know, it's a good year, um, but wipe out all the refis. And now we've just got all the purchase business. And I'm grateful that we've had a purchase focus for, for a really long time. Um, but yeah. And, and in Iowa, you know, you got to remember our average loan size, which I'm proud of is like 215, you know? So, um, you know, when you look at total volume, you know, on our record year, it was like a hundred million dollar, you know, volume year. So, yeah, but still though, I mean, track, I mean, there, I guarantee you that anybody listening to this call, just about anybody would be stoked if they were doing 20 loans consistently a month right now. So great job in weathering the storm. Um, and it's actually more than 20 because we're only 10 months into the year. So you're doing about 25 a month, which is, which is good, good, good numbers, bro. So congratulations on that. So, um, let's, Let's let me just ask you, like, what called you into the business when you were 20 years old? Like you said that, you know, you didn't go to school for it, but like yeah. what what pulled you in? 
Well, it, so it, at the time I was selling car audio. Um, I had been in like a form of sales for a lot of my life. And um, I guess I was really young at that point. So that's a funny thing to say. But when I was uh, selling car audio, one of the things I sold was radar detectors. And I had a client come in. Uh, they're looking for radar detector. He was looking to be cheap. And I talked him into the most expensive one. And a part of my thing was I was always about really going above and beyond the service. So I'd go out to the car and help him set it up. Um, so I went out to his car, helped him set it up. And he's like, it, it, at the time he was in his late twenties and he was driving an M3, which is a really, really great car. If you're a car person, um, and it's like, what do you do anyway? You know, just kind of talking to him. And he said, well, I'm in the mortgage business. And I said, what's, what's a mortgage. Um, and he told me and I, I realized like, oh shoot, you know, there's like a whole nother opportunity out here that I don't know about, you know? Um, so he ended up saying, well, I don't know, you want to, try it out, <laughs> like you know, see what it's like. And I ended up working there on my two days off when I wasn't in retail um, and had a couple, couple closings and realized, holy smokes, this could be fiscally a pretty good deal, you know? Um, so I made that adjustment um, after that Christmas season and have been in it ever since. Um, now that was a refi shop. It, you know, it was a very different experience. It's the kind of place that would hire a you know, 19 year old kid out of a retail store. Right. But, um, still grateful for the opportunity and have grown a lot since then, but that's how I got into it. I didn't realize how similar our stories were. Um, I was, uh, 24 and or maybe 25 and was struggling to break into sports broadcasting, which was what my major was. And a best friend of mine from college fraternity brother he was doing loans uh i didn't know anything about it he said why don't you come hang out with me uh, at work i was working as the night manager at a local supermarket in southern california so i had i didn't go in and work until four in the afternoon and it worked till midnight so i'd get in at like eight and i'd shadow him until like you know three four in the afternoon and then i'd go straight to my paid job but for the first you know month or so i just i just shadowed him and listened to him on the phone asked a lot of questions went with him to lunch every day picked his brain on how to read a rate sheet all that kind of stuff and yeah that's how that's how a lot of us got into it right it was just by default knowing somebody etc so yeah. let's talk let's let's dive into you've already touched twice on service okay and and i I want to unpack that a little bit with you because I think that that's so incredibly important because it's, it's kind of that, let's say we're building a house, like that's the foundation, you know, is having a tremendous service platform. You get an opportunity, it doesn't matter what you do for a living. You could be doing loans, you could be selling copy machines, you could be, you know, you could be selling cars, it doesn't matter. If you own the relationship and you do an outstanding job in proactively servicing people, they're going to come back and they're going to refer people to you. So it doesn't matter the industry, but that is like the part that I think that people, it's like, I don't know why that's not the number one thing. Like it, to me, it should be because it's like every single time you have a client, you have an opportunity to win them or lose them. So you mentioned five-star reviews, that being your measuring stick. What are some of the things that you do that you think are special and unique that generate five-star reviews for people and, and, and brand and customer loyalty? Well, it, it, it's definitely the focus of our business. We, uh, we've realized that, you know, there's always going to be somebody who can do it cheaper, right? Um, we, in our market, we've got a lot of credit unions um, and credit unions are just so good at being really sharp on pricing because they don't pay their people very well. Um, so I knew that, you know, I can't compete on that because I'm going to lose. I got to pay taxes. Um, 
so we started thinking, what would the perfect experience be like? You know, what, how do we reduce all the friction? How do we be super responsive? Um, and you know, it, it, for me, it, I love watching these interviews because it seems like everybody's got a common thread, but you know, when I was at Lone Toolbox's business plan events way back in the day, and that's how we first encountered each other. And, you know, I was in a group of 3000 people in the audience. We didn't personally know each other at that time. Um, the emphasis on the perfect loan process was brought up and, I remember hearing that and, you know, it, you know this about me, but a lot of people don't. I'm a pretty systems oriented thinker. I mean, one of my newest teammates said, you know, you say you're, an, you're a marketer who's stuck in the mortgage business. It's actually like you're an engineer who's stuck mm -hmm. in the mortgage business. Um, and I think he's right where I've kind of looked at, okay, observationally, if I'm a client experiencing this process, what am I seeing? What am I experiencing and what needs to be smoothed out? So this can be a really great experience on the front stage. Um, and that front stage backstage thing is something that I had learned through uh, a different person, Dan Sullivan, who uses this languaging where the front stage is what the client sees up front. Backstage is all the stuff that happens behind the scenes to make it possible. Um, and we just got really, really clear with our own version of, of the perfect loan process, which is evolving, like literally monthly. Um, where we tried to figure out, you know, what, what needs to happen for this client to walk away from this experience, thinking that it was extremely positive, um, and, and make it as highly referable of an experience as possible. And I think that's probably the secret sauce for us is making that experience really referable because not only is it referable for the client, um, but it's also referable for the realtors who are involved in that transaction as well. Um, you know, if they know when they introduce you to a home buyer that their experience, the home buyer's experience is going to be incredible. Um, it makes that realtor feel good to send that home buyer to you. That, I mean, I think a lot of people forget that's really the reason we refer people, right, Tim? Like it's, we just want to, it's like you want to raise your status in the pack, right? And and the better you are at being a source of good advice, good information, um, the higher your position in the pack is. So um, we're just, we're really trying to be good partners to the people who refer us and help make them look good. I think that's really what it's about. Well, so it's an interesting point is that, <clears throat> whether it be a realtor, accountant, financial planner, you know, HR director for a company, it doesn't matter what it is. That's a zero sum game. It's either like, if I refer business to Tyler Osby, is it a risk or is it a reward? Right? Like that's the zero sum right there. And it doesn't matter. Again, I'm going to keep circling back to this. I want anybody who's listening to this, that's not in the mortgage business to think about the applicability within the restaurant you own or the, the small business that you own in a community. It's, it's, it's just that people are going to refer people to you if there is a benefit to them, which is that it makes them look good and adds credibility to them as a refer. And they're not going to if it's going to have the adverse effect. So you ask a critically important question. I love how your coworker identified that you're more of an engineer. Like, I think that's such an important identification because to create processes, um, we need to think linear. Okay. Yep. And we need to think futuristically, like what's the end result that I'm wanting to try to achieve and accomplish here. And what are the steps that need to happen to get me to that 
that end result that I want. But I love how you identified this question of what would the perfect experience look like for the customer, for the referrer, the realtor, the listing agent, whoever it is on the transaction. And then you back into that like, okay, not just what are the things that we need to do to ensure that that's the outcome, but what are the things that get in the way of that outcome? And how can we mitigate those those booby traps that we sometimes step into that that end up having an impact on that experience that we're wanting to have in a negative way. So, so super important identification and, and everybody that's listening, I hope that just if that alone isn't enough value for this conversation, it should be because that's the first step in the process right there is identifying what's the end result we're looking for. Now, in your, in your current process, I realize it's constantly evolving. Maybe you can identify two or three things that you think are like just gold nuggets that you guys do that are very unique and special and that, that, that lead them to that end result, which is a thrilled customer. Yeah. Well, it, there's a lot of things over the years that we've added to the process. Um, some we've been doing for a lot of years. Um, I'll, I'll share first, cause I, I don't want to make the assumption that everybody's familiar with the perfect loan process and all the backbone of that. But one, one thing that really made a huge shift in our business, which is a huge commitment is to commit to doing a weekly update on every transaction that's in process. Um, when we started doing that and we personally in our office do that Friday afternoons, um, we just send a quick update to everybody involved in the transaction buyer agents, both listing and buy side. If we have the seller's contact information, we include the seller and we're basically just communicating what milestones are we at and you know, where, when are we expecting certain major milestones to happen? Um, additionally, uh, beyond, well, actually let me close that thought out. So that weekly update going out, um, puts everybody at ease that, you know, there's forward movement on the loan. And what we found is agents never, ever have to ask us what's going on with the transaction because we're proactively communicating it. Now, what's ironic about that, you know, we've all had those experiences where you get a deal that goes sideways and you got to figure it out. Agents don't panic about deals until you call them and give them a reason to be concerned about solving for a problem. Um, otherwise, when they're getting the weekly updates, they just know that it's taken care of. And it, frankly, nobody else in our market does them. I know that seems really wild, but I mean, I even have friends in the business. I got a lot of friends locally that have seen what we do. They've started by trying to do it because, you know, all, all everybody intends to do well with this kind of thing, but they don't stick with it. And then they leave the impression with their referral partners that they're inconsistent. So that's why I think that it's important that if you commit to doing a weekly update or really adding any kind of a visual or visible, I'm sorry, visible addition to the front stage, something that people will see routinely, really commit to, you know, I'm going to stick to this unless it's totally wasteful over an extended period of time, I can, I can ax it, but you know, weekly updates are kind of a thankless thing. We'll, we'll send out, you know, 40 of them a week and I might get one response out of 40. Um, so, you know, putting together that takes time and sending them is a little bit tedious, especially when you've had a busy day or you're just tired or whatever. Um, but it is a, 
it, it is a quiet way to communicate to the people you're interacting with on a weekly basis. We're thoughtful, we're organized, and everything's under control. And they don't get that from other lenders. Yeah, right? there's a there's a lot of gold in what you just shared there. I mean, everything from the fact that it doesn't, it results in you not having as a team to react as much to questions, to the fact that it's important to be consistent. Um, I think that, that one of the things, and, and I love the fact that you've identified that it's quote unquote thankless, although it really isn't. It, it's like there's certain things that we can be doing in business that don't show a transparent result, but that we have to trust will be meaningful over time. You know, a, a lot of people are just, they, they look for immediate gratification, like that got me alone, or that got me a referral to somebody else. But sometimes it's the little things that you consistently do that do get you the referrals. You just can't necessarily associate the activity with the referral. And, and one of the things that's super important is that when you, when you go work with somebody else other than the Tyler Osby team as a realtor, and you're used to getting that weekly update, okay, now it's a takeaway. Now the experience of working that the first time that you have to wonder, you know, I haven't heard from that lender for three weeks. I hope everything's okay. Or worse off, you get a notification that everything isn't okay. And you feel like, shit, I thought everything was okay. And now all of a sudden out of the blue, I hear it's not, who are they going to think of first? They're going to think of you because you're constantly proactively updating them and not requiring them to have to think about those types of things. Now, the question I have for you is how have you automated that? Like, like how, what's sent out? It's, I mean, you're not writing a, you have a form that you guys fill in. What's, what's the process there every Friday? Yeah. Well, we have an email template and I'm happy to share it. I don't know the best way to communicate that with everybody, but um, it, what it is, is just a really short email that gives all the major milestones of the transaction, right? Like, you know, underwriting approval, appraisal in Iowa, we have title opinions um, and then closing disclosure. And again, we have projected dates that those things will happen. Um, and I will say, and I'll tie this back up. It, one of our best referral sources for new realtors to work with are transaction coordinators because they love our communication. Um, and they just, it, it makes their jobs easier, honestly, because they don't have to chase updates. So, um, they also, these transaction coordinators have oftentimes been the best source of feedback because they're the ones that are actually reading it um, and paying attention to what it says. And it may seem a little surprising, but agents, they may never even read the darn thing. They just, they see the email come in, they figure it's under good control, they needed something, they reach out and they archive it, right? Um, but with transaction coordinators, one of the things we got as feedback was, hey, this is really great, but I don't want to have to read the whole thing every week. So one addition that we did, if you currently do this, this might be a good addition for you, is just highlighting what changed that week. So if the appraisal came in, you might just highlight the receive date for the appraisal and any additional comments underneath that, just highlight that. So your eyes are only looking to the things that have changed um, that week. That was a really, really great takeaway that we had from a... A, a very successful transaction coordinator we work with. When you say transaction coordinator, I just want to clarify for the audience um, what I believe you are uh, referring to is the transaction coordinator for the realtor, not your Correct. transaction coordinator. Correct. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, you probably heard this story 15, 20 years ago, but that's how I got Terry Morler, who yeah. was the top real estate agent in the entire 
County and that was consistently good for five deals a month to me for five years or so was that I identified that she had a transaction coordinator that was super important. I mean, think about it. I mean, it has to be a good transaction coordinator if they're facilitating that many real estate transactions on a monthly basis. And when we got an opportunity to work with that team, our goal was to win the team, not to win Terry, win the team. I wanted, so here we go back to like beginning with the end in mind, right? Like this, this really supports what you're saying earlier, Tyler, is that we said, all right, we got a shot. We got 45 days that we're working with this team. What do we want them to feel when this deal closes? We had a meeting in my office and we talked about that and we said, we want her team to go to her and go, why in the hell? Are we sending all of our business to Eric, who was guy's name was Eric, that was the previous loan originator that had worked with her for years, when we don't get anywhere near the quality of service from him that we get from this team? And that's exactly yeah. what happened. But it started with strategically thinking about, okay, what is it going to take for that to happen? You know, and, and that could be little things like, you know, swinging by and, you know, um, you know, dropping off a some muffins in the morning, you know, to, to her team during the transaction and just saying, Hey, I just wanted to, you know, you know say hi, introduce myself in person and, and connect with you. So, okay. So the weekly update, updating the weekly update, just so they don't have to scan the whole thing. Okay. That's one. What yep, else do you yep. guys do? Tell me another thing or two that you guys do. That's, that's really powerful. Uh, another thing that has been a huge, huge pickup for us. And this is, again, it's the small things are the big things, right? Um, we schedule closings as soon as we have a purchase agreement in our hands. We, uh, we pick the time, we pick the location and depending on the area where you close, I understand that sellers may determine who's closing that deal. Um, but it, we just, we figure it out and we get it scheduled quickly because when they have a finish line and they know clearly where this process is going to end, it seems to provide a huge sense of relief for everybody, not just our client, but the agents too. Um, and then if they have a conflict, they can communicate it with us right away. I, I remember talking to somebody who wasn't in the industry um, and I, I was complaining that we had very few choices on when we could close a deal as we tried to schedule it a couple of days before closing. And they said, well, why are you waiting until a couple of days before closing? You know, and it was so funny. Cause like, that's just how everybody did it, you know? Um, and I thought, you know, that's a really interesting point. I'm going to start trying to schedule it right away. And we, you know, six years ago or so we started doing that and man, that has been the most well-received thing. Um, because we, you know, we don't miss closing dates, right? Like, we just don't. So it, why not pick a time, you know, just seems silly that you wouldn't. Um, and communicating that with everybody, as soon as a deal comes together with kind of a clear outline, we got a templated email for that too, of here's what to expect with our team. Here's how we work with you through the process. Um, that's been a huge hit and it just, it leads really strong into the process, giving people who aren't familiar with us, you know, Hey, these people got this under control you know, um, as opposed to waiting to see what happens, which apparently is how everybody else does it. And I, I recently sold a home um, and personally experienced it from the eyes of a seller of how chaotic it can be sometimes if there isn't really great leadership from somebody in the transaction of what's going to happen. So I, I just think we're trying to step into the position as, as a leader of the transaction so everybody else can have a lot of confidence that, you know, we're going to successfully get to that closing without a bunch of headaches.
Yeah, you're again highlighting just what the benefits of being proactive with something that you know will make everybody's life easier, but then subsequently makes your team's life easier, right? So, I mean, that makes a ton of sense to me too, psychologically, because it is a stressful time. Um, the more things that you can get pre-scheduled in and, and in concrete, you know, into people's calendars and all that in advance. So they're not having to, you know, you're not having to try to get a hold of somebody and then they've got to move an appointment because they didn't realize that two days from now was their drop dead date to sign. I mean, all these types of things, all of those are the things, as I mentioned before, that create these, these negative experiences. Like you could get them a good rate. You could close on time. You can get them. But if their, if their last memory was, you know, it was a pain in the ass to have to close that transaction transaction because I had to clear the deck of my calendar when I'm a busy person um, because they weren't being proactive and making me aware of something they could have been making me aware of 45 days ago that that that's that's a that's a big miss that's a big miss on your part um, if you're sure. if you're not doing that well hello friends and I hope that you're enjoying this episode of the 360 experience podcast to listen to the remainder of this episode please visit us at the loan atlas where you will also find the most comprehensive resource for mortgage professionals to build their practice, backed by the greatest faculty that's ever been assembled in the mortgage industry. Check us out at the link below or go to theloanatlas.com. Look forward to having you as a guest on our next episode of the 360 Experience Podcast.